All right, and because three is a crowd, I'm here today, once again, as always, in the bunker, not in the ox. Kelly, how's it going today? We're always in the bunker unless we're not in the bunker. <laughs> Until we're not. It's fair enough. Yeah. This is Sound on the Window. We are a Bob Dylan podcast. We use Bob Dylan as a framework to look at the world that we live, uh, the world that exists around us, and everything in between. So we typically pick a random song. If you joined us two weeks ago when we did Everything is Broken, episode 38, we chose Ye Heavy and a Bottle of Bread. We took off a week for Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving, Kelly? It was good. You were there. How was yours? It was good. I'm still full. It's delicious. <laughs> um, this week, we are doing uh, episode 39 from The Basement Tapes. I have been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the number of signers to the U.S. Constitution out of the 55 members of the Philadelphia Convention of 1787. I figured it out. It's 39. 39. And we are listening yes. to Ye Heavy and a Bottle of Bread. Well, the comic book and me, just us, we caught the bus. The poor little chauffeur, though, she was back in bed. On the very next day, with a nose full of pus. Yay, heavy and a bottle of bread. Yay, heavy and a bottle of bread. Yay, heavy. All right, Kelly, so that was Ye Heavy and a Bottle of Bread. We spent an entire week, as we normally do, on this song. What is a weird song? What what was your what was your vibe this week? It is a weird song, but I, I like it. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's Every weird. Basement Tape song so far has been pretty hit. It's true, even, even the one that's not even a song. Yeah. We've had four now. We've had King of France, Don't You Try Me Now. Which was probably the only dud because that it was, was the hardest one. Yeah, that was the hardest one. It was like really generic, but yet we didn't have enough lyrics, but we had just enough that you couldn't make it fun like King of France. And then Clothesline Saga, which is a classic, great song. And then this, which I think is another, in its own way, a classic song. Yeah. I, yeah. Love this song. It's fun. Really like jam bandy. Like it felt like a bunch of people were just sitting around the garage. A weird. Song. weird. Yeah. Isn't that strange? So this song was actually recorded, like most of the ones we've done this year, uh, in the summer of 1967. So. 50 years ago. Oh, it's not summer anymore. <laughs> okay. So over 50 years ago, uh, in Big Pink, obviously, in, in Woodstock, he's only played the song twice. Hmm. Played it once in 2002, which was Weird. 45, 45 years after he wrote it uh, in Madison Square Garden. And then he played it again um, November 25th, 2003 at the Brixton Academy. He was doing a run of shows there. And I think he played a lot of Stuff he hadn't played in a long time. That was 2003. That's it. Twice. There goes my phone. Way after the fact. Way after the fact. So he recorded this. Um, Garth Hudson, as we've talked about before, um, who plays the organ, he was the, he was the guy who was pressing play and record on the tapes. Uh, so this in a song called Million Dollar Bash, which we have not done yet, but it's another really great, fun song. These two share a reel, so it's pretty cool to see basically two takes for each song. Million Dollar Bash is sort of the outlier because the two versions are drastically different. These two are kind of cool because there's no metronomes. There's no like, they just played this live twice and they sound exactly the same, even with all the weird riffing and like, yeah. Cause I mean, think about the two versions and we'll get into the difference between the two because there's lyrical changes, but for the most part, the music is like, Exactly the same. It's kind of the same, which is weird because it's like a vibe that Bob Dylan's going for. 
And I think when the covers that we listen to suck. Yeah. Mainly because you can't mimic that vibe. You know, you're just sort of like saying a bunch of silly words. And as we've heard Bob Dylan doing Woody Guthrie, saying silly words is fun when you like know the artist. But once you get a couple ways removed, it gets terrible. And I think when you hear other artists trying to mimic, you know, the absurdity of this song, it just kind of, I think it falls flat. I think it's going to be disingenuous anytime you try to mimic a fever dream kind of yeah. situation. Yeah. It just doesn't work out. Yeah, exactly. And I think there are reasons why it doesn't work out, which we'll definitely get into. So um, Hudson, as I said before, he was the tape operator. He said in 2002, and this is before um, – 2012, I think, is when they released the, the bootleg series, you know, the one that we're listening to this on, the full uh, basement tapes, which have been widely distributed for, you know, 50 years ever since they started. He said uh, about Bob Dylan's about Bob Dylan's technique, he said, quote, he would go in he would go in with us, play a new song only part way through. He wouldn't much rehearse or much less play it the way through to learn it. And he'd turn on the tape and we'd get it down on the first or second tape. He just knew the material, which I think... We've talked a lot before about Bob Dylan going into a studio and playing a song and everybody needs to keep up with him. He's not going to have the patience to have you wait. So you have to get it done. And the band at that point understood. So for what it's worth, I don't think this could have ever happened with anyone else. The band had been playing with him for years at that point. And there was that symbiosis. Paul Williams, the um, famous rock critic, he described this as one of uh, Bob Dylan's most, quote, charming performances that Dylan has ever recorded. I think it's definitely his goofiest song. Charming? I don't know. It's goofiest? pretty charming. Goofiest, though? It's a goofy-ass song. It is a goofy song. What's Would goofier? you not say Wiggle Wiggle? Okay. <laughs> it's goofier. Well, as you have not listened to Wiggle Wiggle That's true. Yet. I'm going to preemptively <sighs> say this is not, not goofier. In a weird way, though, I kind of... I'll stand by it a little bit. Because I think Wiggle Wiggle wasn't... It was trying to be what it was. Like... He thought it was children. good. This was never supposed to be good. This was never supposed to be like just a real song. It just kind of was. So Kelly, before we get into the song this week, I believe you've got some things that you want to teach me. And I'm hoping that with this, we can start to figure out more about this song. Because I'll be honest, I don't know what the fuck's going on. So please enlighten me. Well, I don't know how much enlightening I'm going to do. In terms of. Well, it's disappointing. Let's skip it. So the song. <laughs> you having a bottle of bread. You bread. having a bottle of bread. What's a bottle of bread? It, instantly. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I never know. But bread and beer are pretty similar. They are. But first got to start with bread, right? I think we have to start with bread. Bread is the most widely consumed food in the entire world. It's portable, compact, and an important source of carbohydrates. Humans began <laughs> making bread 30,000 years ago, at least. I believe that. Fucking crazy, right? Well, when you think about what has to happen for bread to exist, yeah. it seems like a series of like just dumb luck accidents. Prehistoric humans made gruel-like substances, so porridges, right, from water and grains, and then decided one day to dump it out onto a hot stone near a fire. Yeah. And that is the first flatbread. They were probably drinking that shit before they were making bread out of it. So. I mean, so... It makes sense, like grain. Here's a plant. I don't. You can't just like straight up eat it. It's gonna be terrible. So they soak it in water, and then like they make this porridge thing. And then is like, that obvious though? See, in my head, I wouldn't even think that. Like, like, there's can't. no I way. Can't. There's no way this thing is ever gonna be a thing. We started watching Let's this show called Tudor Farms. We could talk about this whole other thing. 
how people accidentally like lucked their way into these miraculous discoveries i just will never know and then even to think on top of that that there's no written instruction to pass it down you're just you listen to your mom or your dad or your your community leader when they tell you how to do this because if not you will die (laughs) and that's insane like i can't remember my own fucking phone number can you imagine having to remember the recipes and solves and like all these different things to keep yourself alive yeah what? If you fuck it up, you'll get really sick and you could just die. Yeah. As like a 13-year-old. Or starve like, because done. you didn't plan properly. Right. Just like, what? Anyway. Wow. <laughs> Bread. Amazing. <laughs> Some of the uh, first flour was made from roots of cattails. You know, those plants that grow in the water. Yeah. And uh, ferns. The weird fried root paste version of flatbreads is great. Uh, and we still have flatbreads for sure, like naan and pita yeah. and, and even tortillas would fall into that category. But if you want some like fluffy, crusty, delicious, butter-worthy bread, we need some leavening. So what is leavening, right? Leavening is yeast. That's the most common form of leavening for, for bread. And it's it uh, kind of just floats around in the air. It just exists naturally. Wild yeast just exists. The common theory is that yeast probably just floated into a bowl of gruel that was left out one of these campfire evenings and the sugars in the gruel like the yeast caught into it and so that's how yeast works it eats sugars so that's the grain part and shits out carbon dioxide and that's what makes bubbles and that's what makes lighter airy bread that's the leavening right commercial yeast don't the british have a, a leavening stove right when they bake their bread, like in um, oh yeah, that, that, bake off. They, that's just a yeah, colloquially what it's like proving. That's proving to, to, to let it, it uh, yeah. to let it run. Yeah. yeah, but the actual act of the yeast doing oh, okay. its job is um, is science. Like they call it leavening. Okay. But yeah, yeah, but you need that. That's what proving is. It's yeah. giving it the time to do its job gotcha. to poop out the CO two. I like that's what it does. makes bread appealing. <laughs> Delicious. You know? yeah. uh, commercial yeast began production of commercial yeast began in Egypt around 300 BC. Refined flour. Sorry, I wrote grain of old. <laughs> I just got myself for a second. Okay. Oh, and out taking the making. No one will ever hear it. Oh, I just know I want to say Gra- grain of old. You should. Just say that whole sentence. Right. Sugar, the grain of old. Okay. Refined flour. The grain of old would have been ground by hand with rocks. Dark breads like pumpernickel, which is one of my favorite, Ooh, yeah. are the kind of the descendants of these early breads. The Mesopotamians refined the process around 800 BC using two flat circular stones that were constantly rotated by people, slaves, or animals. Yeah. That's the genesis of milling, right? And then eventually we would use wind power, and now we have machines to do it. But back in the day, it was all people or animal power. Smooth, finely ground flour became all the rage. And it like was kind of a status symbol. The, the smoother, finer, whiter flour you had, the more uh, impressive you were. Getting back to Tudor farm, only the Tudor monks were allowed to have the whitest. Really? Yeah, the abbot of the church or the Seems monastery. Seems like a sorry. dumb system to want to live under. Yeah, it's almost like throughout history we've constantly put the people in power, the men in power above everyone else and given yeah. them the best things. The best things that we cultivate ourselves and then yeah. we just give to them because right. they and pay them for the privilege a lot. Pay them the time. for the privilege, yeah. Amazing. It's really cool. I wish that there was a TV show that could take us back in time with a bunch of people that think it's better to live as a tutor. I mean, I wish there was a TV show <laughs> that like women wanted to be repressed and take have all their agency taken away. I mean, it's we I don't think that'll ever exist, but no. what a, it would be cool. It would be a 
cool concept. <laughs> oh, God. Sourdough. Oh, the, also be- the best bread. Yes, basically. Oldest form of leavened bread. So yeast, as we think of it, if you like packets of yeast, right? Activated yeast you can buy. Do you know how yeast works? I actually don't. If you say yeast as we think of it, I would have to think pretty hard because I don't have – you said a packet. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> so yeast is floating around in the air, which is how we get Got sourdough, the thing, yeah. right? Um, sure. <laughs> sourdough was discovered in ancient Egypt and became popular in America during the the gold rush. Um, but those wild yeasts, like, I, I, see, that's that's what originally caused the leavening. That's the first yeah, form yeah. of yeast. Now we have it mass produced. Yeah. Uh, and it comes in a packet. It looks like – think of a big sugar packet. So yeah, it's like okay. these weird activated pellets. And you just um, kind of do it. Because yeah. science. They just, yeah. You can easily do it. Yeah. But it's still a derivative of the wild yeast that mm-hmm. just like exists in the air. It's like, ooh, yeast in the air from this packet. Oh. Yeah. Yeast. So it just like that – All the same. It's yeah. just water and flour. It's nuts. Water and flour. You let it sit out long enough, yeah. yeast exists. And with sourdough specifically, you keep it alive by feeding it. So mm-hmm. yeast eats the sugars, right? We talked about that and mm-hmm. shits out the carbon dioxide. Right. In order to keep doing that, you need to feed it more water and flour. Sweet. And because of that, these sourdough starters can last for years, decades even. There's stories mm-hmm. of people taking them through generations, which is why it was so popular with um, gold miners and stuff because they could keep it with them and make bread on the go. Yeah. Because you just have your sh- weird jar of sourdough starters. So you're and saying only- that railroad bill, rucksack. Ruck, bill. Ra- yeah, all those bills. They might have they had probably some, had some sourdough. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I was dreaming about bills. And if they didn't have it with them, it was just common just in the area. It. Like people, like that's what you had. That's okay, how you're yeah. making your bread. Have you ever had sh- Schlotzky's? Um, way back, like okay. in Florida. Yeah. yeah. It was like an East Coast thing. But there were so, some yeah. in like Oklahoma and stuff. And Blimpy too. Was that only East Coast? Blimpy's things? totally East Coast, yeah. Okay. But Schlotzky's was the Schlotzky's shit. Deli, man. That blew my mind when I went to Oklahoma. So good. Yeah. But they, they work on that sourdough bread. Yeah. <laughs> but then sliced bread. You I know, mean, we like to say the greatest thing since. Bread stayed in loaves unsliced until around 1917 when Otto Rahwetter. There's an actual person. We can we can pinpoint it to a person. That's Sure nuts. can. Created the first mechanized bread slicer. The industry thought housewives would never go for it because – like, <laughs> what is this, Tudor times? <laughs> there was, there have been, uh, they've discovered 19th and 20th century cookbooks that highlighted the specific advice about sandwich making. Ladies and children were meant to have thin, crustless slices, while workers, aka the men's, were meant to have thick, crusty slices. So because of this, they're like, oh no, women going to need to cut their bread special. There's no way they would go for a mechanized cut. However... Uh, which is why. So 19, 1917 is when Otto comes up with the idea. But it's not actually even installed in the factory until 1928 because like, the ladies will never go for this. And then within two years of it being installed in the factory, more than 90% of all bread purchased was sliced. Shit, Otto. Seeing so, the world that could be. That's right. Thinking, he fought for wrong. 10 years trying to get people like, no, women are fine with this. Sliced bread is going to be great, guys. Sliced Just bread. listen. The women are going to be fine. The women folk, it. they're going to like it. They're going to love it. So bottle of bread, though. Right? How could we put bread in a bottle? I mean, I guess you could. In theory, you could put your sourdough starter in a bottle. You need to put it somewhere. So there you go. You could stuff your bread into a bottle. People have said that uh, beer is like liquid bread. And while it's not super accurate, it's not the furthest off because the, the process is not too different, right? Yeah. What you need to make beer is a grain, barley, hops, which is what adds the flavor later, water, and yeast. Then you have beer, right? So what do we need for bread? We need a leavening agent, yeast, flour, and water. 
So kind of similar, like grain, not barley. Would you in this add case. hops you into bread? That'd be terrible. I mean, you could, you could, right? You could do you think they bread. do? I don't know. So what you need to do to make bread? You harvest your barley, 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 heat it, dry it, it cracks, and then you steep that in hot water for about an hour. Activates enzymes and creates sugars. It, that's all known as warts. That that liquid that it creates. You separate that from the the grains, the cracked grains. And so it's a syrupy, sticky kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then you add your yeast to it. And what does yeast do, Daniel? It eats sugar and, and shits po- it poops out carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide. But what else does it create? Ethanol, also known I as alcohol. Would have guessed. I would have guessed alcohol. No, there you go. Because I thought that was the end of our. No. no. I mean that is alcohol. Right? It is. That's, that's so, yeah, what we the, want. Well, those are yeah. That is what we want. That's the two byproducts of yeast consuming sugar is alcohol and carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So that is ale. So back in Tudor times. <laughs> Damn Tudors. Ale was, was drank because it was safer than water because the fermentation mm-hmm. process of it um, kept it from making you sick because the alcohol that was created cleansed the water. Yeah. So this isn't super alcoholic because it needs to ferment first. So they wouldn't let it ferment. They would just drink that process of like the heated water and stuff, right? And it's an ale, which I found out like if you don't add hops, it stays an ale. Mm-hmm. Once you have the hops, supposedly back to Tudor times. Can you imagine if there was a TV show where you went back to Tudor time and you drank bread syrup? <laughs> I mean, it would be – that's not it. I mean, can't they, do they, they add water. Thing. They don't keep it the syrup. They add the water, but, like, they don't let it ferment long enough. To, so, But could you imagine being in early Tudor times before they added the water and you just had to drink <laughs> bread syrup? I don't know if anybody's doing that. Could you imagine? That would not be great. So that's the that, that's the brewing process is just that, just separating the wort out and, and then adding water again. Um, then letting it ferment, you add your brewer's yeast, right, and then you have to braise it up again. Boil it for another hour and a half or so, and then store it. If you want an ale, you keep it cold. Or I'm sorry, if you want an ale, you keep it at room temperature. Lagers, you keep it cold. Mm-hmm. The yeast and for a while too. Yeah, so the that's how you get uh, the bubbles aren't created, and the fermentation, the alcoholic process doesn't stay unless you keep it for a while. So you put it in your bottles then, and you let it just sit. And if you don't let that carbonation, that fermentation process happen, it, the bubbles won't won't form. And right. even now. Some beers are artificially carbonated nice. instead of letting it just what a world let it just ferment. So if you're at home right now, you should be enjoying the beer that Kelly just helped you make. Yeah. So hopefully it's delicious. Why haven't we made beer yet? I know that's really we're a, really good answer. I know. Though. Sign on the window beer. What's up? How great is that? Boom. That's good. We'll we will. We're All right. Table that. <clears throat> yeah, that's why. Why haven't thought of that? So you having a bottle of bread? Not so far off. Not so far off. And now we know more about bread. Yeah. You could take that as a metaphor or literally you can make bread in a bottle, as we've learned. Packets of yeast, boom. <laughs> Getting it out of the bottle, tough. But Bob Dylan doesn't talk about that. So what, what does Bob Dylan talk about? Oh, man, what does he? One track town, just brown and breeze, too. Pack up the meat, sweet, we're going to head out. A winter tall now in a pile of food. Get the loot up slow, we're gonna catch a trout. Get the loot up slow, we're gonna catch a trout. Get the loot up slow, we're gonna catch a trout. Get the loot up slow, we're gonna catch a trout. Pull that drummer out from behind the bottle. Bring me my pipe, we're gonna shake it. Slap that drummer with a pie that smells. So this song yeah. exists in the world. 
We had a good time listening to it, as we said. Do you see any reason the song exists? I think that the only way... I think this is like a drug experience. I think this is like a tour bus. We're hanging out, having a good time, doing drugs, and just writing dumb shit about what happens. Like, to me, the the comic book of me got on the bus, and there's the chauffeur at home is like, I'm dating this girl, but she can't come on tour with us because she's not feeling well. So I just got on the bus with my thing. And then we went and the drummer's being an idiot and like he's oh, drank too much and <laughs> throw a stinky pie in his face for yeah. some reason. So, yeah, I just think it was kind of a, a raucous touring band. And yeah. they're talking about their silly drug slash alcohol fueled. And this is thing. right after Blonde and Blonde. I think that's important to never forget. We watched I'm Not There last week, which ended with the motorcycle accident. Ended, quote unquote. I mean, it's kind of a nonlinear story, but... If we believe that, take that at face value. The basement tapes is the reaction to him either, you know, coming down from his high. But even with John Wesley Harding, as we've had, we had the whole album mm-hmm. and we had two songs that we in particular looked at this this year on Sign on the Window. And I think and those were recorded after the basement tapes or kind of simultaneously. Those to me were incredibly surreal. You know, you have um the ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest. Right. I think that this fits along with that. It's like a hangover from the 66, Blonde on Blonde, or he was perfect creating these sort of weird, surreal, you know, landscapes. And then you have this, which I think is like, it's not as good, obviously. it does None of it makes sense. I, I like that interpretation where he's just sort of, like using coded language, essentially. Yeah, I think it's like very we don't metaphorical. Know metaphorical, or, see, for me, I just think it's like free writing. I think he's... Yeah, going into a situation and making shit up like it sounds like to me you would have like a thousand other lines these are just the couple that Garth was like yeah we're done yeah I turn bet, this off I bet that's true I yeah. bet the song because it could go on forever it's just like and then I noticed a frog in the corner so I said hello and then I threw a little smelly pie stinky yeah, pie yeah, exactly. or this pie yeah I mean I think it's like you know when I was thinking about you know I talked about Nana Remo doing that earlier this month and the hardest part about that is like letting your editor go. And this to me struck me because this is like something you would make if you were just like letting yourself totally be creative. It, everything's not always going to be good. Putting this to tape is, I mean, it's really great because I'm, I'm with I'm with Paul Williams. Like, I, I do think this is a really charming song. I'm glad it exists. I'm yeah. glad we get to hear it. But if we never did, that makes complete sense to me because I feel like it's either like, Free writing for the sake of free writing, or you are creating lyrics that are stand-in, like just stand-ins, just sounds that you're trying to work out, and then later you're going to add the actual lyrics. Like you're trying to get a rhyme scheme, you're trying to see how words fit within this kind of lackadaisical sort of beat that everyone's created. That's kind of how I saw it. And, you know, free writing is an important thing, letting the editor go. You know, Jack Kerouac wrote about that in the 60s. You know, there's trance writing. The Beats believed in that. Like, I mean, Jack Kerouac would write for like 40 hours in a row on Benzedrine. He would just go crazy. He wrote on the scroll because he just went so fast. He couldn't wait for the paper and doing all this shit. So, And so I think that Bob Dylan's influenced by them, obviously, Allen Ginsberg and all of that. But this is one of those songs that I I don't think looking for a meaning is really going to give you anything. Um, personally, I think the music is great though. I think the band, I think it's really fun. All these basement tape songs that we have are like, the band is always like behind Bob Dylan because they don't know what the song is. So they're just making it up on the fly. And I love it. 
it's pretty incredible. So I mean, they're just such talented musicians. Such That's talented. the biggest thing I always go back to is like, there's no way I would ever be able to do that. Because you have to have inherent like knowledge of chords and what things sound good together and how to actually play your instrument to, to keep up with that to, yeah. or to create that. Or to just know like when something's demanded or to know like Bob Dylan's mood too. Like when in this song they get down to that. You know, when they get that heavy baritone at the very end. Oh, my you know, God, that really, dude singing that bass at the end is incredible. It's incredible. And, like, if this wasn't a goofy-ass song, you know, someone like Dylan could have been like, yo, knock it off. What are you doing? But clearly it's just, like, a carnival vibe. Like, fuck this. You know, Million Dollar Bash is right before it, which is another just ridiculously weird and great song. And this, I think, is, is up there, too. Um, some people online have had some really interesting takes so expecting rain and which is probably one of the best bob dylan news websites out there they have a pretty robust form uh where a lot of people talk about the song so if you're ever into a song like search it on google or whatever it's gonna be one of the top like three pages you'll find the expecting rain forms i totally if you don't do that already i recommend doing that why is it called that is that a bob dylan reference now the moon is almost hidden the stars are beginning to hide the fortune-telling lady Has even taken all her things inside All except for Cain and Abel And the hunchback of Notre Dame Everybody is making love Or else expecting rain but the form, it, it was pretty interesting this time because with all of the lines and stuff, they were talking about how not only is it maybe an inside coded language, which you can just kind of say that because it's so surreal, but it could also be like a use of old slang. Like the pie that smells is a different take on cow pie, which is a different take on cow shit. Right. And so all of these little things are like old sayings just sort of warped. So there could be a meaning in there somewhere that's lost. I think it's giving Dylan a lot of credit, which typically people online, like super fans, want to do. They want to give him all the credit in the world that he's making some brilliant piece of work when this is probably just nonsense. But I kind of liked it. Like a pie that smells is such a weird way to say. Like in my head, it's just like cow shit on a pie pan that someone's shoving in someone's <laughs> face. Like that's what I think of when you're saying the drummer is – a drunk and like you're de- I don't know well that's why like I, I while it is metaphorical I don't think it's that deep like we're rolling through a, a one horse town basically so let's just get out of here as soon as we can let's grab the meat or like you know let's grab our shit and get out we played our gig let's go like I don't know it, it didn't seem that far-fetched like you didn't have to make too many jumps that's true that's true and for a for someone like Dylan who's known for all of his aphorisms it's weird how some of these just didn't make it into the canon. Like, why why expecting rain in a beautiful lyric? Instead of, yeah, pack up your meat, sweet. We're heading out for Wichita <laughs> in a pile of fruit. Get the loot. Don't be slow. We're going to catch a trout. Now that is really dumb. That makes no sense. <laughs> now pull the drummer out from behind the bottle. Bring me my pipe. We're going to shake it. Slap the drummer with a pie that smells. Saying these will get you, like, laughed off of, like, an experimental poetry night. And yet... Bob, he does it. He kills it. And so for the liner notes, which are written by Grail Marcus, who we just watched I'm Not There, we saw the circus and all of that. His book right. on the basement tapes is like, it's called Old Weird America. And a lot of that imagery is sort of pulled in, blah, blah, blah. 
we'll get to there at some point. But he had a he had a in his liner notes he sort of takes every song and has a little blurb about them. So I want to share those. So on on the first take, which is the one that we hear, um, which is the one that's on the basement tapes, the 1975 release that you can listen to on Spotify. He says, "quote Another bizarre tale filled with absurdist lyrics. Unlike Quinn, which is Quinn the Eskimo, or This Wheel's on Fire, which is another song that's great. Uh, Ye Heavy never gained much traction as a publishing demo." which is an important fact to note. Mm. Perhaps most recording artists were wary of singing the line, slap that drummer with a pie that smells. <laughs> on track two, he says, quote, this is the version of the song. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Track two. This is the version of the song that would that wound up on the 1975 album Basement Tapes. The similarity in tempo would take one is a testament to how well Dylan and the band worked together. In that era, before the prevalence of click tracks and drum machines, there was little variance in the tempo between these two takes. Here's where the spirit of Hank Williams lives in Dylan's music. Not in the lyrics, not in the sound, but in the fact that so much rhythm can exist without a drummer. One interesting lyrical change, and a slight one, is the substitution of the phrase nose full of pus for nose full of blood on take two. If Dylan was trying to make the songs more commercial, that tiny lyrical change probably was not in the step in the right direction. So originally it was blood. Change it to pus. Hmm. Bad call. What are you doing? Blood's better. But pus is grosser and more <laughs> absurd, you know, so it makes sense that he would do it. So the thing about the publishing demo is probably all that it is, is that all of this stuff was made for one of two reasons. Either that there was someone out there in this psychedelic, I mean, this is Summer of Love. I got to fill my coffers, man. Maybe someone will record this fucking song. Yeah. I own at this point. I mean, he at this point, he was wealthy enough and had the contract with Columbia that he wanted and he created, I think it was Dwarf, is his musical publishing outlet that, fuck it. <laughs> like, I'm going to record this song. I'm going to copyright it. If anybody records this, I get a publishing royalty. Like, that's all that this was. Now, again, I don't think anyone's going to cover it for the reasons that Growl Marcus says, but I think it's as simple as that. And I think that there's two things going on. One is Summer of Love shit, but also I'm Bob Dylan. And Bob Dylan means a lot to these people. And now I just had an accident. And now I'm coming back with these songs that I'm not going to be putting out. So if somebody can say that they're singing a Bob Dylan song, that's real. I mean, it's truly, it is mine. They are taking this Bob Dylan song that I can make some money from this. Yeah. And if I shit something out like a like yeast shitting out carbon <laughs> dioxide, the people eat it up. And I think it's that cynical. And I think that cynicism honestly leads us to like self-portrait where it's not that Dylan doesn't believe in artistry and all that, but there's a level of, we saw it and I'm not there. There's a level of, Hey man, you're putting shit on me that I wouldn't put on myself. And this is a way for me to say back off. Like if you're stupid enough to record this song, that's on you. That's on you, man. This is a silly song that I wrote in two seconds there is no genius behind it, but all these people out there telling me that this is genius. Joke's on them. And we here at Big Pink can laugh at you. And I think there's a level of that because this song makes literally no sense and it is so silly. But their talent makes it inescapably good. But they weren't doing this to be on tape. Like all of the, they had to be coaxed. I mean, the full basement tapes didn't come up for 50 years. Like this was not That's something. crazy. To make so much music and of quality and not do anything with it is so crazy. Because they also made a ton of music of quality outside of it, which is 
better quality. I mean, I mean, the basement is really great. I mean, the whole experience is great. But this song alone, if you were to play this, no, this doesn't make it makes it great because we know who Bob Dylan and the band are. And if I was somebody in 67, I would have eaten this up, of course, because you want more Dylan. But for what it is, it's kind of a, it's a dumb song. It's not something you can like, I don't know. But like, this is not in anybody's top hundred. Yeah, but just like so many songs, yeah, record so many and then not use them. Yeah. No, it seems so weird. I know. It's like if we did a whole like season of podcasting and, then, and, eh. and we just shelved every single episode. Yeah. I know. It's weird. But I think there's an idea of honing your craft and like just having fun. Sometimes you got to set your Well, the fire. thrill, right? The thrill, too, of recording is different than like you and I sitting around in a room talking about it. Press record, then the stakes get a little higher. You start to think a little bit more about what you're saying. I think that's it. But then when you're at Bob Dylan's level, you stop thinking about what you're saying. And I think the whole point of this is that I can just say whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. And I kind of already was, but I definitely have a little more forethought than I'm blonde, I'm blonde. And some of these like images could be on blonde, I'm blonde, but, but it's, it just feels like the dregs. It feels like the, the last thoughts of someone coming out of that surreal it's like having one foot on the floor in reality and the other in like a like a Salvador Dali painting or something. You know, you're slowly stepping out of Dali and you're coming into the real world. And we're like watching Dylan right there in that middle. And that's what this song is. It, like it, it has the grounding of the band and the music is very traditional and Americana. I mean, as we know, it was created right there and we think of that, all those tones and the probably all the chords and everything like that. It feels traditional. It feels like it's been around forever, but the words are ridiculous. Yeah. They don't make any sense. So it's like the wild mercury, the sound is gone. The wild mercury sound of Highway 61 and Blonde on Blonde is gone, but we've got Dylan still doing the lyrics, which is kind of fun. Kelly, we are a real podcast. What? Did you know? No. 39 episodes in, I will break it to you here. We are a real podcast. We're a thing. We're established. I don't know. We're basically the man. <laughs> okay. When we stop making negative money. That's fair. Then, <laughs> then we'll be established and then we can start our, our descent. Right. Right now we're on the rise. We're on the rise. You can follow us right here. You can keep listening to the rest of this episode if you want. For all the rest of you still here. Thank you. We also are on Twitter, SOTW Pod. We're on Tumblr, SOTW Pod. Facebook, SOTW Pod. SOTW Pod everywhere. SOTW Pod.com. We are also at SOTW Pod at gmail.com. You can. Yeah. Send us a long email. We've had a few over this first year, which has been really interesting. Twitter, of course, is great. I mean, it's really a hellscape out there. To to kind of come into a Bob Dylan mode, it's hard to get there these days, but it's really fun when you guys play along. So Ooh, it's been a lot of fun. did an Apple podcast review? Like other real podcasts. That would be really cool. That's a thing that we should have been saying to do for a long time I know. now. And we'll read them. We'll read them all. Oh, my God. We'll, we'll do read it them all. good and bad. Oh, yeah. We'll read them all. Oh, no. 
that's a that's a high bar. Yes. Anyways, with one more episode to go, there's still season. time for this season. Yes, very important for this <laughs> season. There's still time for you to uh, to interact with us, to let us know how we've impacted or you know what didn't impact your life maybe you just found out about tell us. us how we can impact tell us how we can impact your life that's what's up so kelly speaking of things to impact other people with we did not just listen to this song all week we did not what else i mean obviously this whole tutor thing i'm sure it'll come up again but what else were you doing this week that warrants any level of attention for our amazing viewers out there our amazing listeners out there <laughs> uh white reaper is a band that I found out about because I started watching the show Difficult People on Hulu, which is pretty fun. Um, it's it's what it sounds like if you've not familiar. It's a, like a comedy. Billy Eichner. Mm-hmm. Billy Eichner. Uh, and I don't know the woman, uh, her name. I don't know. Yeah, the co-star's name because I've never seen her before. But anyway, it's pretty funny. Um, they're awful people living in New York and doing what they do. And the... The music was really good and consistent. Like, it sounded like it was the same band. So I did a little digging. And White Reaper, their uh, their EP from 2014, uh, the, oh. basically all the music in the show is from that album. So their theme song and their closing credits. And it's really good. It's like a, a punk kind of noise thing. Um, they're just a rock and roll band oh. <laughs> from Kentucky, from Nashville. Oh, that's nice to Kentucky, Nashville. I'm sorry, God. Was it from Kentucky? Or was it from Tennessee? I think it's like it's maybe I'm thinking Louisville. My bad. Let's you mean start. okay? There's a lot wrong with everything that's happening right now. Yeah, it's not Louisville. It's Louisville. Louisville. Yeah, yeah, I know. This is in Colorado, remember. which is still Louisville. Fuck anybody who says Louisville. It's Louisville. That's gross. Is it Kentucky? Anyway, let's start over. Start over what? Let's start over. The rock and roll band from the East Coast. There uh-huh. we go. No, that's all staying in. It's also Julie Klausner. That's who you're thinking of. Well, that's her name on the show. I didn't know if that was her <clears throat> name in real life. That's her real name in real life. Yeah, it is. No, Julie Kessler. Yeah, because Billy Epstein is the name of the character on Oh, Difficult. right. No, I can't. So Julie Kessler is the character. Is name. the character. Julie Klausner is there you the go. person's name. Anyway, White Reaper from Kentucky, possibly Tennessee. Uh, that EP is really good. They have two other albums that I did not like as much, especially their most recent one, um, from this year or last year. It just turned a little butt rocky like no shade on van halen but it like went there a little bit and it sounds good but their ep from 2014 just called white reaper six tracks i think fucking great awesome that's it that's all yeah difficult people white reaper uh, a couple of uh, recommendations this week uh first off i finished a tv show it's amazing you're the worst season four also on hulu oh my god we're still for hulu didn't know still living in a world that i don't know where things happen they just <laughs> sort of show up and uh, it's really great. I, if you haven't watched the show ever before, it's on FXX. It's a comedy show. Don't watch it at work. Don't watch it at work. No, don't ever watch it at work. It's re- It's also, it's really funny. You don't want to be laughing. And then to like try to explain some of that stuff, it's definitely an adult show. So hopefully you're an adult listening to this. If not, if you're a kid, hey, hey, listen. Sorry Welcome. for cussing so much. I know. Sorry for everything. <laughs> uh, but You're the Worst, season four. I don't know what else to get into. If you've never seen it before, it's tough. But otherwise, it was a pretty satisfying season in some ways. But they kind of keep just circling back. It's When you have two people in a relationship, it's tough not to... You know, you always leave it at a... We- you either leave it at somewhere that's a huge cliffhanger or you have them come back together. And that's essentially what's happening. It's breaking up. It's coming together. Yeah, it's being engaged. Too, I mean. and I, it's true, but... It feels a little contrived at times, but you know what? 
They're also, like difficult people, they're kind of horrible people. So you kind of want them to get together because they're terrible and it would, like, lessen the burden on the rest of the world. <laughs> they can only inflict damage on each other. But then you hope that, that, that Jimmy and Gretchen can be good people. That's what you but want. they can't. But the best part about the show is that, like, the I love shows that have auxiliary characters that slowly become, like, kind of the people you care about the most. Um, so the two other people that are definitely the leads, I mean, they're in the theme song and all that stuff. Um, they've really come out of their shells, I think, this season more than any. And you're, like, rooting for them. They used to be, like, the worst of the worst. But they've had these really great arcs. So cool. God bless them. Don't know what you're going to do with Jimmy and Gretchen, but we'll see you next year. And then two two other records, uh, D- Diggable Planets. Oh, they, had, they came out with a live album this year. No shit. So oh, I listened to that. Man. It was really great. Um, That's my jam. They love Philadelphia. They love Philadelphia. Every song, they're saying, Philly, we are so happy to be here. And they were. And Philly was happy to have them. I really enjoyed listening to that. And then finally, just to tie a nice little bow on this entire year, Sufjan Stevens came out with The Greatest Gift, um, which is a mixtape of uh, outtakes from uh, Carrie and Lowell, his 2015 Is it record. new? So it's new tracks? There's four new tracks. The okay. rest of them are iPhone demos or... Different um, mixes. Mixes. Okay. The mixes are really cool. I, it, it's like a good middling record. Um, I don't think I'm going to listen to the iPhone mixes and stuff very often because the I listened incessantly to Carrie and Lowell in 2015 and uh, the live Carrie and Lowell live is incredible but there are songs like City of Roses which is about Portland it's beautiful hey that's where we are the chorus is like um, you know it's like a break in the clouds is gonna ruin my day because he wants you know because he's sad his mom's dead yeah. Um, so he's like, you know, we have clouds all the time, Kelly. So he's talking about how the clouds and it's like, oh, if there's a break in the clouds and there's sun, it's going to ruin the day. Keep those cloud cover. Keep it. I love it. I can relate. Keep the clouds. Clouds from now until May. That's what we're going to get. Well, unless it snows. Oh, yeah. No snow. What is going to happen if we get snowed in and we can't do a podcast? I mean. Oh, no. Can't even think about it. Yeah. All right, Kelly. We are down to 495 I after I, do, I know it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Kelly, let's do what we normally do. This is where we pick a random song. So this is episode four. Acero. This is it. This is the last episode of season one. Oh, next next week? Next now, week. This week. Were we done forever? Next week. Next week we're done and forever. And we're not done forever <laughs> as we've dispelled multiple rumors in this one episode. This is not the end forever. We've only done 40. We have 495 to go. Kelly, one out of 495. I was going to say 600. (laughs) That would have been appropriate at the beginning of the season. You might think it's weird that we've lost 105. Only doing 39 episodes. But guess what? (laughs) Fuckery happened. Enjoy. You know what? If you haven't listened to all the episodes of this season, go back. Don't. Appreciate how Don't. different. Appreciate how different. Go back to episode This 10. all is. Don't and if you've been following it. our Twitter or if you're new to it, we have been repping this entire month and we're going to do it all the way until um, – and you're going to get a lot of insights from this last year. So we're doing a whole retrospective on Twitter right now where we're going through old episodes, old photos, things like that that we're just – showcasing uh, the making of the show. We are two people that don't, we're not famous. We have regular jobs. We're just regular Joes. Just regular Joes. I'm not a regular Joe. I'm a regular Josiah. Josiah. Regular Joe, regular Josiah. 
and we put this weird rock in our way for an entire year and we have slowly been moving it it's been great we didn't let it defeat us uh even though we wanted to die multiple times but you know what oh god game of thrones is like did i ever want to die yes i did yeah yes i did i know every time (laughs) you think about it it's it gets worse and worse but anyways uh follow along there and and yeah we're going to be linking to some really ridiculous episodes maybe don't listen to the whole thing but if you want to appreciate what you're listening to now go back and listen to episode one don't. Go back and listen to episode three. Maybe don't. But maybe don't. <laughs> um, 36. 36. Scroll, 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 scroll. Squeaky, squeaky scroll. Oh, sorry. It's actually 46. Sorry. You're, you're wrong again. So, Kelly, 40, that's... 40? Wait, no. 46? 46. And I picked 36. You. That's the closest I will ever be. But it's also the wrongest that you've been all year. How? Because you have not picked the right one. Oh, well, but still 10 away. But we'll never get 36. Whatever. So it's like picking a fake number. Whatever. So George Jackson, which is kind of a weird, yeah, that's not even on a record. So it's like a single. It's part of a single. I don't even remember the story of George Jackson. I do know the story of George Jackson because I've heard the song, <laughs> but I don't remember the song where song. it is. You know, it doesn't matter because we're never getting 36 again. And this won't be 36 okay. in time. 46. All right. So this is going to be our last episode. <gasps> Of season one. Of season one. Of season one. Called The Ballad of Hollis Brown. He likes a a ballad. He likes a ballad. It's it's off of 1963's Times They Are Changing. So this is is actually our first Times They Are Changing song. That was in the movie we watched, right? Not Hollis Brown. No, no, no. Just The Times They Are Changing. It's like one of his big songs, right? uh, The Times They Are Changing is one of his big songs. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, it was Christian Bale doing all of the... He did all the lo- logos for those songs, oh, right, right. and one of them was him with it's like black and white, and he's got this oh, little. Oh, oh, that's the cover. The cover, yep. Right. Okay. So that is our first song. Uh, it's actually, I think, the second song on the LP. But we're going to do that. So uh, join us next week for episode forty. And if you haven't, again, I can't stress this enough. Get on Twitter, just for a little while, and then you can delete it again. But if you want to, yeah, exactly. Just delete it. You don't need it in your life, but you do need us in your life. So go in and see some insights into uh, into the show and uh, come back next week. And we're going to do a big celebration. And we have lots of big, you know, surprises and stuff in store for you. It's and we can't wait to time, tell guys. you. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. So we'll see you next week. Kelly, see ya. Yeah.